And we're back. Yay. <laughs> Is it yay for you? Yeah. It's um it's not that yay for me. Well, um, I love talking about movies with you and watching movies with you. I love talking about movies that I enjoyed. I mean, this movie was fine. It wasn't like crazy good, crazy bad, you know what I mean? Well, I was surprised when it ended you seemed like you wanted to talk about it, but as we mentioned on the previous episode, I wasn't quite ready. I was feeling a little sick, um, which I'm feeling better now. Mm-hmm. And I was reading through the trivia and saw some really interesting stuff and thought that I should do some more reading about it. And I did that reading and it was interesting. But as far as talking about the actual film, I don't know if I'm still really like feeling it. I mean, like we'll do it. I'm not putting it off again, yeah. but. There's pluses and negatives to it for sure. I mean, I don't know if I would recommend it to people, though, like unless they're really into the play. Well, before we get started, I just want to put out a question to the audience real quick. Okay. Who is you? I want to know if you watch on YouTube or listen on YouTube, leave a comment just saying, hey, here I am. I listen. If you listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or, or whatever other random podcast app there may be, um, I don't know if there's comments on it, but you can just direct message me on Instagram on I like guess. whatever yeah. Instagram, sure, and be like, hey, I, I listen. Because it's <laughs> recently come to my attention that the people who I thought were listening to this podcast are, in fact, not really listening. <laughs> That, um, that happens, you know, people but, are busy. But we, we have an audience of some small size that's fairly consistent, but it's it's not really the people who I thought it was. There's I maybe know two or three people yeah. who, who I know listen to it. Sure. And it's it's people who have messaged me directly already saying, hey, I, I listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there and you know me in re- or know us in real life, or if you don't know us in real life. <laughs> Please poke your head out and yeah, let us know that you're there for sure. Because I'm I'm curious, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you have any feedback for us, you know, we may or may not take it into account because yeah. we kind of just do what we want here, pretty much. Um, vis a vis me, just avoiding talking about streetcar named desire in the previous episode, but of course, we'll we'll think about it. There is sort of a thought in my mind that that's I thought, good. Yep. <laughs> then I thought maybe we should discuss on the pod um, okay. with the Barbie movie coming out, sort of a live action version of like a childhood thing. What would be your like version of that? If like that's <laughs> hasn't already been done, you know what I mean? Like Ninja Turtles has been done. Um, Masters of the Universe has been done, like all that kind of stuff. Is there any live action remake or not remake, but like property that you want to see on the big screen? Like of a toy? Of a toy or like a childhood era type thing. When are they going to make the Rubik's Cube movie? I mean, come on. I think that's coming. I mean, they did it really. I, didn't they? I swear. Like there's like there was an emoji movie a couple of years ago. I feel like there's room to make something classic, like a cl- take a classic toy 
and turn it into a movie that everybody will ultimately hate. You know what I mean? Like they did that. They did what? What? I didn't hate that movie. That movie was awesome. It was fun. Like Battleship. Oh, yeah, yeah, It turned yeah. Battleship they, they into a that. movie that sure. people didn't really like. Like Army Men. I feel like there's room to make an Army Men movie. That could be kind of fun. Did you have an answer prepared? Well, I was more like thinking of computer games. Of course, I'm waiting on the Carmen Sandiego live action movie. Yeah. I also think Totally Spies would be cool, but that's basically like Charlie's Angel. <laughs> Yeah, well, I I think Pajama Sam is ripe, yeah, not for a live action movie, that. but for a cartoon TV show. Oh yeah, I feel like cute. there there would be lots to work with there. For sure. And the original voice actress is still working, so why not? Yeah. But we're st- we're circling the drain on this one. <laughs> Streetcar Named Desire. Sure. Let's just get it over with. <laughs> so here's what it's about. It came out in 1951. It starred Marlon Brando. In his first big film role, after transitioning from the land of theater, and in fact playing the same role in theater. On Broadway, yeah. Directed by Elia Kazan, and co-starring Vivian Lee as Blanche, Mm -hmm. who was the lead in Gone with the Wind, some ten years prior. You look confused. She played Scarlett O'Hara? That's correct. Did not recognize for a second. I know. And it was the same woman. Yeah. Well, they obviously made her look older. Yeah. I mean, she was older for real, but probably not that much older. They kind of, She was supposed to be like an aging beauty that never got married. Yeah. I didn't recognize her either, but I recognized her name at least. Um, Anyway, so this is what what it's about. Disturbed Blanche Dubois moves in with her sister in New Orleans and is tormented by her brutish brother in law when her reality crumbles around her. Sorry, while while her reality crumbles around here. My my bad. Okay. Right. Go ahead. Wouldn't say she's necessarily disturbed. She's got issues that I'm sure are enhanced by people around her not supporting her. Well, let's start with what we liked about this movie. Mm, Okay. Performances were great across the board. Pretty well. Yes. Or not according to Hannah. Yes and no. It felt like an adaptation of a play. It did. It definitely did. It definitely did. But I'm thinking of movies around that era of like Rebel Without a Cause. And like it's that kind of level of melodrama. I feel like just back then they were still Mm. playing it for the back of the audience that's non-existent in movies. They could have turned it down like a notch, I think, for realism. Well, sometimes. It's kind of like when she spilled like Coke on her dress and she's like, oh, I hope the stain gets out. <laughs> well, so. let's let's talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Because I definitely had a love-hate relationship with this movie. Yeah. And when it comes to the dialogue, there were certain moments of dialogue where I was like, oh my gosh, who wrote this? This is awesome. I, I just love the way that the dialogue pours out here. And then there were other times where I was like, oh my gosh, who wrote this? Who talks like this? Nobody talks like this. This is stupid. Yeah, you did say that. But it's like, um, it feels like they're doing a monologue in a play. It doesn't feel like real people. You but know? I do think when it comes to Blanche, that was purposeful. Sure. Because it this was only very sort of slowly revealed over the course of the film. But one of the things that I did really like about it was the front that Blanche puts up 
where her voice is, is higher and she's like pretending to be younger and like she has more energy. And then when Stanley kind of like pulls the curtain away, I mean, literal curtain in this case, mm, and re- reveals her true self, her voice gets deeper. She's less sing-songy. She sounds less like somebody in a play and more like somebody talking for real. And I thought that was really cool and effective. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved every time that that happened because it was like the, you know, the artifice was being yeah. pulled away and it felt like a real conversation. Yeah, like all of her stuff is kind of like fancy fake. Like she is like imitation pearls and like fake furs and she's like got Supposedly. like a, a fake tiara and stuff. I mean, you know, I think it kind of teeters on that edge where it's like, is she making this up or not? But I mean, in the end, <laughs> right? she like goes off to a hospital. So yeah. So Vivian Lee's performance was great. Marlon Brando's performance was great. I just have to come out and say it. It was great. It was one of those very like magnetic performances I found, you know, like Heath Ledger is the Joker Mm -hmm. where like your eyes are just drawn to him whenever he's on screen. Yeah. His character is so unlikable, though. Exactly. Well, that that was what I was going to talk about next. That's why I said I have to come right right out and say it is like. It was a great performance. It was great acting, but man, I just hated Stan Lee so much. Yeah. And this this topic is going to come up in a little bit, but I'll put a warning um, for the listeners out there mm-hmm. that the the ending of this movie has to do with the topic of rape. And if that is not something that you're comfortable hearing us talk about, then... Uh, then feel free to skedaddle and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. I barely even really want to talk about it because it's yeah. verifiably not awesome, but it's, it's... It's it's a part of the play. It's, it's a part of the movie. Yeah. We'll just kind of skirt around the subject, I think. But I mean, like, that's kind of what the movie did. Like, I didn't well, even... exactly. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even fully understand what happened until I read, like, the Wikipedia page. Okay, so you read the Wikipedia page too. Yeah, a couple weeks ago when we said that we were going to do the podcast, I didn't reread it. Right. Well, for the audience's sake, basically a big thing about this was it was obviously a transition of a play to film. And through that process, it got censored in various ways, one of which is that the character of Stanley is meant to rape Blanche at the end of the film. And I guess in the play... It is very obvious, and in the movie, it's not so obvious. Yeah. Like, you can make that mental leap, but they don't spell it out for you. Yeah, like, you could draw that conclusion, but you could also draw other conclusions. Yeah. Like, but they skirt around it. Um, like, bl- like, there's a part where, what's Blanche's sister's name? Stella! Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, Stella! (laughs) That's right. Uh, Stella says to the upstairs neighbor, like, I'm not sure if I can stay with Stanley after what Blanche told me. And she's like, the upstairs neighbor was basically like, you have to stay with him because you have a kid with him or something like that. Well, uh, that that was the other big thing is, well, actually, that's the main big thing um, is that in... In the at the end of the movie, she's basically like, "Stanley raped my sister. I'm gonna leave him." But at the end of the play, she says nothing and does not make that claim and just stays with him. Well, you can kind of tell like she's making 
the wrong choice in that sense. I think it's sort of a scathing and indictment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> on uh, on like abusive relationships and like people like not having like good relationships. Like this kind of a motif, like the upstairs neighbor like gets in quarrels with her husband and like, you know, Blanche gets in quarrels with like her previous partners and then this guy that shows up whatever that was going to marry her and, and stuff like that. Well, basically the reason why they censored it was be or like changed the ending so that she says she's going to leave is that the studio felt that Stanley as the rapist deserved to be punished in some way. I agree. Which, yeah, definitely agree. But this leads me to my main point, which is that watching this movie, experiencing this story, I just kept asking myself the question, what about this story from the playwright's perspective felt like it needed to be told? What uh, what exactly was this person thinking like, oh, yeah, I'm going to write a story about this. Well, that's what I'm saying. I just like, don't get it. I feel like it's the lens of toxic relationships. I feel like. Does that make sense? Well, what's what's the thesis statement of this of this story? What what you know, I don't know if there is one, I, you know, some of those plays is kind of like you're peering into a life. It's like a slice of life. And it's like the reason why she stays with him in the end is because usually people in abusive relationships stay in the relationship. You know what mm. I mean? Well, yeah, but I mean, in this case, it was abusive of someone else, which I feel like is a whole other topic. Well, she was abused earlier in the film during the poker game. Well, yeah. And then, and then, but I was making a different point. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Well, what I came away with was it feels like this is a very early example of what I've called in the past as a feel bad movie. Sure. And I didn't necessarily yeah. know that it was going to be that going into it. And if I oh. had known, I probably would have stayed away from it. Oh, I kind of knew that. I mean, we watched a scene in class. I don't expect you to remember that. What? Like 10 years ago? Nine years ago? <laughs> Ten years ago. Uh, I guess probably. Eight nine to nine, years, nine years, ago. years ago. No, I didn't remember. Yeah. What scene? I think it was probably a scene towards the end of Stanley. Oh, great. Like yelling at Stella. I don't know. Like, I just, I can't call this movie bad. Like, it's kind of a similar situation with Rosemary's Baby. Like, I can't call it bad, but I didn't hardly like it at all. I, I just... I don't really have a desire to rewatch it. I feel like it's definitely put up on a pedestal and mm, not I, as much these days, I don't think. I hesitate to use the phrase overrated because it's just there's there's a lot of baggage with that term, but I think Marlon Brando's overrated. Oh, well, he's I, definitely he's definitely overrated, but I I do agree that like there was a certain magnetism to him, like James Dean of that same era. But I think that kind of went to his head and then he phoned it in a lot of the rest of his career. Yeah. Well, part of what I was reading that made me interested to research it more was that evidently he was uh, the, the reason why his performance was made such a big deal and why he was such a quick rising star at the time was that he was one of the first people to bring the Stanislavski method of acting and thus like method acting right. 
into the mainstream of like really living and embodying the character in the moment. Oh dear. Which like I feel for his co-stars if that's the case, but I mean, I understand getting yourself in a certain mindset to play a character to turn on those emotions, but I, you know, it's ultimately a job and your co-stars are your co-workers and it's inappropriate to be treating them in a negative way just because your character is I don't think I think you know like if you you have to go that far then you're not a good actor is how mm. I feel because like you should be able to pretend that you are a jerk you shouldn't be a jerk to them in real life that's going too far you gotta know where the line is yeah you gotta know when to turn it off and turn it on yeah it's one thing to be like you know we're gonna have a big scene where we're mad at each other i'm just not gonna talk to you for the morning so i can get in a headspace of being mad at you and like find like that negative energy but i'm not gonna project that on you that kind of thing right so let's take a little bit deeper as to why i feel like i didn't like it because it's got to be more than just it upset me right i feel like that's not that fair like rosemary's baby upset me well, but I still it was gave like it gaslighting the whole time. Yeah, it yeah. upset me a lot actually, but I still gave it a four out of five because I felt like the point of it was to upset the viewer and it was effective in what it was trying to do. It was definitely an interesting story and in how it was told. Rosemary's Baby. I mean, it was definitely a feel bad movie though. I, I know a desire to rewatch yeah. that movie. Mm. But for this, I just like it wasn't. It wasn't boring per se. First few minutes was. Uh, w- well, sure. Um, I found a, a couple parts a little hard to follow, but that wasn't entirely my fault. Yeah, there are certainly some laughable moments of how melodramatic and ridiculous it was. Well, I'm okay with melodrama though. Yeah, I generally I mostly expected of this era. The thing is, I feel like there is kind of realistic-ish movies from this era, so I'm not sure if I can fully write it off. But I mean, around the same era as Rebel Without a Cause, Sunset Boulevard, those are a little more melodramatic. But All About Eve, I feel like, is a little more toned down, and that's around the same time period. So, I don't know. You know what? I'm, I'm ready to move on. I feel like it's not fair to our podcast listeners to make them listen to us talk about something that we don't care about, or at least something that I don't care about. Like, I don't feel like I don't feel like I'm providing quality content right now. I mean, some movies are a pass, you know, and like I kind of was like, I'm not sure I want to do this for the pod. And you're like, oh, but we got them. Like, "Uh, I don't even because we had what like 20 minutes ago. No, no, no. Oh, the movie. The like movie, watched yeah. it because last year we watched like the first 20 minutes of it and it was kind of a snooze fest. So I'm like, mm, I don't know if I want to go back to that. <laughs> it definitely got better. It was interesting, but it's certainly not anywhere close to being my favorite movie. I think the mm-hmm. lighting was really interesting for that time period. We hadn't seen a lot of that really dramatic lighting. Like there was a really great like in in terms of well-lit scenes where um blanche meets stella at the bowling alley and they're sitting in like a corner booth and she's like kind of silhouetted and like lit like a spotlight and all that kind of stuff was really nice really pretty 
there was definitely some great moments to it, but ultimately, like, I don't know. I think it's definitely a pass. Yeah. Well, okay. I'll rattle off a couple more thoughts, and then we'll we're just just talk about something else because <laughs> I wanna I wanna leave this podcast on a good note. Okay. So a couple pieces of trivia here. Um, uh, evidently, as the film progresses, the set of the Kowalski apartment actually gets smaller to heighten the suggestion of right. Blanche's increasing claustrophobia. So I got some thoughts about that. Okay. When I first read that piece of trivia, like a week or so ago, I was like, whoa, that's cool. I would have never thought to do that. What an interesting technique. Oh, man, that's awesome. But then thinking about it more, I was like, was that really effective? I didn't did, even notice did it, that, honestly. Did that work? But, no. But here's the thing. I noticed, but I didn't notice in that I was, I, you know, mentally I was like, oh, the apartment's getting smaller to, um, you know, emphasize the claustrophobia. Instead, the idea or like the thought that it sparked in my brain was like, hang on, the set that the film is taking place in doesn't feel like the same set from like 30 minutes earlier in the film. Did they switch sets? Because this doesn't, <laughs> all of a sudden doesn't look familiar. Like, are we... Sh- are we in the same apartment? That's like a couple of times, uh, like when they were playing poker. Sure. If you recall. Yes. I thought they were in a different, I actually said this out loud. I thought they were in a different house, a different apartment. And you yeah. had to remind me that they were still in the same, they're playing poker in the same apartment they've been in the whole time. Yeah, because he had said earlier, like, I'm hosting poker tonight. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, when when the scene came up, the the set looked different, and so just like physically, I felt like we were in a different yeah. spot, and so all of a sudden, I was starting to get confused. So I would actually argue that that the idea of making the set smaller as the film went on was not effective, because it sure. just made me feel like I was I was taken out. I think if we didn't have the subtitles on, I would have a really hard time following this movie. <laughs> well, I was kind of high as well. <laughs> for for pain you, relief yeah you you had too much of the vape pen i guess you well you alluded to this in the previous oh, yeah, episode yeah, yeah. that's the only reason why i'm bringing it up because i think we watched part of it and then you were really confused it was what was going on and i had to explain stuff to you and then you're like okay we have to take a break i don't think i can follow this, this is not something that i do recreationally it's just yeah. for pain management right please understand <laughs> but but yeah we, we had to take a break because of that um but i i was still following along yeah it, it just took a lot more mental energy <laughs> um okay a couple more pieces of trivia um vivian lee who suffered from bipolar disorder in real life later had difficulties in distinguishing her real life from that of blanche dubois that is extremely sad moving on Fitted that, t- <laughs> that sounds like an urban legend come on yeah fitted t-shirts could not be bought at the time so marlon brando's apparel had to be washed several times and then the back stitched up <laughs> to appear tightly over the actor's chest. Also sounds like an urban legend. Not gonna I lie. mean, yeah, tailoring is a thing. Oh, you're going to tailor a shirt to fit him really well? <laughs> Who cares? Just, just wash it 30 times. <laughs> Who cares? Whatever. <laughs> Vivian Lee was only 36 and had to be made up to look older. I mean, back then, I feel like 36 and not being married, that's ancient. I suppose. Yeah. It didn't really matter how old she was, really. It just mattered that she felt like she was too old. Yeah, like she, you know, was past her prime. Right. Anything else interesting? I mean, kind of. 
Not really. You know, if you want to know more about this film, you can go watch it. You can read the trivia. <laughs> I'm moving on. You're so bitter. Three out of five at best. Well, I'm excited to watch like the next set of films because we're starting to get into like interesting territory because I, I love sort of the 50s, 60s, 70s time period. That's kind of some of my favorite like fashions yeah. and movies and that kind of thing. So I'm excited to watch those kinds of movies that I haven't seen. I am super pumped to get into the 60s mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. So going back to your original question, a property <laughs> or like a toy that could be made yeah. into a movie. Well, they do so, anything these days. I would love like a series of movies that are kind of like Tetris movie-esque. Sure. But hopefully a little a little more like, uh, you know, grounded in reality. Just about like, because, you know, you, t- you mentioned toys. This is like kind of was marketed as a toy at the time. But just like the Nintendo Entertainment System, Super Nintendo... And just like everything that went into just like the production of those and then the release and the craze around them. Okay. I think yeah. the, if you're going to do a Tetris movie, I mean, why not do one for like every other video game landmark? Like, why not? Yeah. I mean, they did the Mario Brothers movie. No, that's not really what I meant. <laughs> that's like a fictional, a fictional right. movie. Well, with Tetris, there was kind of an interesting story behind it, how it was, you know, there's, if you find patent law fascinating, which some people which, do, you know, when it comes to video then, games, sure. Then that is an interesting story to tell. But I mean, where is our biopic of the creator of Mario, um, Mario's father, or however he calls himself? His name is Shigeru Miyamoto. Yeah, well, I didn't want to Thank butcher you very that. Much. Yes, Miyamoto. Yes, where's uh-huh. his biopic? Miyamoto-san. Yeah. Well, maybe we got to wait for him to die first. I don't know. Mm, that hasn't stopped some people from putting out biopics. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I feel like mostly biopics are bad when the person is still alive and they can only be good when the person is dead, with the huge exception of Rocket Man. That's what I was I was going to say. What about Elton John? Well, that was because yeah. I was very surprised when that came out because I was like, Oh, they're doing a biopic of Elton John before he's dead. It's probably going to suck. You have to be dead for it to be good. But oh, I'm sure people are going to message me about biopics of alive people that are still good. But maybe. You know. I mean, I, I Muhammad mean, Ali wasn't good. I well, yeah. Or like the movie Ali wasn't good. And he was still alive. There's multiple reasons for that, but. With Elton John, it was like at least he was kind of past his glory years. Not to say at that least. He's, he's he's not like he had put out like a biography or autobiography book already. Like he yeah, had like his book. huge landmarks of his career already. And, you know, he was kind of in his golden years or in terms of retirement with his partner and, yeah. you know, everything. So it wasn't like there was a ton going on now that needs to be spoken about. It was more like, okay, here is how he started his career and, like, here are the huge moments of his career. And, yeah. Well, did you have an answer to your question about, like, a property? I mean, I know you mentioned Carmen Sandiego. Was there other stuff? Oh, well, I had a thought of like Polly Pocket, but like, how would you do that? I don't know. It'd be like Barbie but miniature. <laughs> well, I mean, there was that movie Life Size with Tyra Banks. Oh man, I love that. You could movie. do like a spin from that, 
that's like they you did know, life size too. Have like a woman in your pocket, kind hmm. of kind of dealy. That's interesting. I don't know, like a best friend in your pocket, because Polly Pocket's kind of like a teenager preteen, right? Whereas yeah. Barbie's like an adult. Yeah, that was kind of a nice appeal to Barbie, where you could kind of like cosplay or whatever, like pretend to be like an adult. Yeah. Well, going off of this line of thinking, I can't believe it's been so long since we've had a new season of The Toys That Made Us. I know. And I'm I need for that. I need a new season. Well, what? Otherwise, what? I'll die. <laughs> <laughs> what would you hope to be on there? Well, that was what I was going to ask you. Oh. Uh, I thought of it first. You go first. Mr. Potato Head. Well, that's pretty good. Okay. Uh, Easy Bake Oven. I would oh, be psyched yeah, to see yeah. that because there was they they did like a boy version that was like gross stuff and it was like why can't boys bake brownies? <laughs> no 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 stick yeah. to the stuff you know yeah. if you want to be cool follow one simple rule don't mess with the flow no no stick yeah. to the status quo is that it did I get it right yeah okay High basically musical yeah yeah and like in that movie I think one of the jocks becomes like really good at baking creme so brulee you, yeah there you go. Well, I would love to see Justice for Bionicle because sure. there was, you know, one of the best episodes of Toys That Made Us, which, by the way, if you don't know what the Toys That Made Us is, it's go, a documentary series <laughs> on Netflix about toys and about the unsung, unsung heroes of who designed and developed and marketed those toys. Brilliant series. Some people find the narrator annoying. I, I think him. he's funny. It's yeah. part of the charm. Just go with it. You'll love it. Watch every episode. We've seen every episode multiple times. Yeah, it's the too best. Many, <laughs> but there was an episode on Lego, which was awesome. Yeah. And they mentioned at one point late in the episode that Bionicle brought them back from near bankruptcy. But in the context of that episode, Bionicle is like such a footnote. Yeah. And they explain it in such a weird way that me as a hardcore Bionicle fan when I was a kid found like they were oversimplifying it glossing over it sure and when they brought it up they were like yeah they they introduced bionicle and then bionicle came out in like 2000 2001 yeah but when they brought up the topic like oh then came bionicle in the episode they played a bionicle commercial from i want to say like 2015 oh yeah and i was like that's not right Maybe, That's not right at all. Maybe they couldn't get the rights to all American rejects. <laughs> well, that wasn't until like 2005, 2006. Sure. But that is an excellent commercial. Oh, I, know. I just want to put that out yeah. there. So I would really love a, sure. a, a ground up yeah. documentary. I think there's some on YouTube, like, actually. It was a 40 minute episode. And it was yeah. like Lego's been around a long time. It's like 150 years of history. That's a lot to cover in that short of time. So. Yeah. Well, but but my point was like I really wanted to see what went into the creation of Bionicle because I was I was huge into Bionicle when I was a kid and I read the novels about like the backstory and I had like the Bionicle encyclopedia and I just like I still have them all. I sold all my Lego sets, my Lego Indiana Jones, my Lego Star Wars. I sold those, but I still have my Bionicles as Fair my enough. as my dad used to call them my dinky toys. Um, <laughs> that's because, something different because I never told you that but um, that that's Hot Wheels those are dinky toys I know he was using an equivalent like when yeah. he was a kid his Hot Wheels were his dinky toys oh, and now I see. my equivalent was Bionicles sure um, but man I want to see Justice for Bionicle because it's it's a very interesting property 
and it's yeah. it's too bad that they don't make it anymore. But they don't. N- no, they they stopped. Huh. Yeah. Didn't know that. But like the first couple of years of Bionicle was really interesting. Like they had books, they had movies. Yeah, they were really it was all pushing all it. about the Toa finding the power of the masks and all that, and like I just I just ate it all up. I mean, they could do like a part two because there's been so many Lego video games and stuff. Yeah. It, it sounds kind of crazy, but I would love to see more toys and stuff that I don't care about because sometimes yeah, yeah, well, that makes the best episodes because you don't know the history and it's really fascinating. Like uh, there was a really great episode about Star Trek toys mm-hmm. and one of my all-time faves is He-Man and like... All-time fave episodes, yes, you're saying. Yes. I didn't watch He-Man growing up. I never had any of the toys, but like there's just something about that story that was so funny. I mean, there was a lot of they're just all great. Like the My Little Pony episode had me howling. Galloping <laughs> off the show. Yeah. There's just yeah. so many memeable moments. Well, that's the brilliance of the toys that made us is yeah. that it got us to care about stuff that we didn't care about cuz like when yes. I was first watching it I was like, "He-Man?" Never played with He-Man. Never watched He-Man. I don't care about He-Man. Yeah, exactly. And then by the end of the episode, I was like, bong, it's <laughs> yeah. dynamite. That, if you got to watch one episode, watch that one. <laughs> Definitely. The He-Man episode's great. The G.I. Joe episode is great. Yeah. That one's really, I like that one a lot because they go into the, like, the, the origins of the action figure, basically. That's true. Because it was one of the first. I mean, even wrestling toys. Like that was so interesting to hear about, like all that kind of yeah. iterations. Of Res- that. Wrestling and then and then Star Wars. Like even if you're not a Star Wars fan, it's still interesting because like you go into a toy store or like a toy aisle and you see like you know five inch toys, seven inch toys, three and a half That's inch true, toys, and yeah. it's like where does that scale come from? And well, as it turns out, it came from a guy in an office being asked how big he wanted the toys to be, and he said they're going to be this big, and he held out his. <laughs> His thumb and his forefinger, and then a guy took out a tape measure and measured the distance, and it was like three and a half inches, and he was like, all right, that's how big it's going to be. Right, and then they made it bigger from there to compete, you know, like with wrestling toys, they made it bigger to be more like life-size and stuff. Yeah, it's just, it's fun on a bun all around. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think the reason why we haven't been getting new seasons of The Toys That Made Us is because they did a spinoff called the movies that made us yeah there's and, some good episodes of that and that has been much more popular because i think more people especially people browsing on netflix care about the making of movies more about the making of toys it's unfortunate the the issue is a lot of those stories have been told already yeah you know like wait we, we watched accessible. they did an episode on the making of back to the future and we were kind of like yeah we, we know we all know this all already this, yeah because <laughs> we're both such big Back to the Future fans, and I had like all the special features and stuff. Exactly, we we watched those years ago. Um, stories like Pretty Woman is interesting to hear stuff that we didn't know, but like the and you know it's it's less so unsung heroes. You know, like big directors like like John Landis and Robert Zemeckis, big stars like Julia Roberts and Sigourney Weaver in Whoa. the Aliens episode. Like these are all people who have had their stories told already i suppose well there where, there was interesting moments to that like i think julia roberts no, i'm saying i first yeah i'm saying i love the movies that made us yeah go go on with what you're saying like there was moments of like unsung heroes in that though like julia roberts this was her first like lead movie role people didn't necessarily want to take a chance on her and you know the script went through a lot of different iterations but you know for 
very big movies like Back to the Future. It was kind of like, yeah. Meh. Right. But my point was with the toys that made us, you would take properties like He-Man that were super popular in the 80s yeah. and sold millions and millions of dollars worth of toys and had live action, big budget movie versions starring Dolph Lundgren and, you know, yeah. have continuing fandoms uh, in to like to this day. Mm-hmm. And then you narrow down on the guy who came up with the name He-Man, Roger Sweet, and it's like, no one has ever heard of this guy. Nobody knows what he looks like. Nobody knows his He's funny such a voice. wild character. This, yeah. this guy was just like worked in an office yeah. designing toys and no one's ever heard of him, but his ideas made millions of dollars. Yeah. That's kind of the cool thing about the toys inception is it's just a lot of people in an office being like, uh, I don't know what to call it. Uh, yeah, I'll call it Megatron. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, and it's also, yeah. it, it's interesting seeing um, the different design philosophies. Like you have the Star Wars episode where they were basically given the designs and then they were like, wow, these are cool designs. I, I can't believe I get to make toys out of this. Then there's other episodes like the My Little Pony episode where it's like, I have an idea that I believe in and I think other people will like this idea and it's driving me to want to make this toy. Then you have episodes like the Masters of the Universe He-Man episode where it's like they're specifically designing and calculating the design of toys to make the most amount of money possible to be like to use the words that are most appealing to kids and use concepts I mean, that are work. their kids are yeah. going to want to buy and uh, all just like so calculated and it worked yeah it worked yeah i mean why don't they ask kids more like what they actually want you know well like, who's to say what they are and aren't doing well i suppose but in that like when kids said like i have the power or like I want the power. Yeah, they were. They yeah. talk about that episode. Yeah. Like all, all kids want to have power. Power over their homework. Power over their chores. Power over their parents. Whatever. Yeah, it makes sense. So to they have were like autonomy. Yeah. So then He Man. I have the power. Yeah. It's dynamite. Yeah. I so. mean, we could gush about toys that made. Well, this that's power. what that's what I want to do. So if the audience members are cool with it, listening to this podcast, then that's what they're gonna get. I mean, it would be gr- like if there's another season. I feel like we would watch it so fast. I feel like the last well, season that came yeah. out, we like watched it in a couple days. And we no, like, we watched no- it in like one day. No, we like. I think we tried to like savor it though, because we were like, I don't think it we worked. know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's just like it's like adult candy. As an adult, yeah. I can't eat candy, but I can binge an entire season of Toys That Made Us in one day. It's only four episodes. Each is season. it only four episodes? Each season is only four episodes, yeah. yeah. We watch it like four times, though. <laughs> Constantly. It's just so good. Yeah. Such quality entertainment. <laughs> What's funny? Just, we're you know, we're supposed to talk about Streetcar Named Desire, and we're just talking about toys. <laughs> Who cares about Streetcar Named Desire? You know what? Seriously, though, because I went to Letterboxd because I was thinking about doing a Gabe's Grade segment on Streetcar Named Desire. No one that we know on Letterboxd has watched and rated or reviewed this movie. Yeah, I told you we shouldn't have done it. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) That's exactly my point. Who cares? Like, yeah, you know, like, hopefully, if you've made it this far into the episode, you weren't like turned off by just seeing that this episode is about Streetcar Named Desire and just like, 
I'll listen to the next one. But well, it's like, kind of like the Maltese Falcon one where we're just like, we don't like it. <laughs> well, if we don't like it, yeah. why force ourselves to talk about sure. it for 45 minutes? Yeah. I don't I don't think that's fair and I don't think that's going to produce our best content. Fair enough. You know, like I could just talking about it what like near 20 minutes ago. I was just like feeling I was like, this is going to be my least favorite episode of this podcast. This is. <laughs> but now it's fun. I feel like King Kong was our worst episode. Well, yeah, because didn't we, like it that much. We did. We didn't have that much to say. Yeah. And, but we we tried to keep talking about it i don't know if i would say we forced ourselves to talk about it but like i tried not to pivot away i feel like sure or maybe i did i can't remember (laughs) but yeah i feel like our best episodes is when like we kind of know that we're gonna love it already well i've been listening uh, as i've been editing the past couple of days i've been listening to previous episodes of ours which you know i'm glad to hear that they're entertaining enough that i can actually like listen to, to them and be entertained but uh, I was listening to our uh, Bicycle Thieves episode, and that movie I loved, and it really reflected in the episode that just like how happy I was, yeah. to be talking about it. Yeah, and the the four hundred blows, oh, that movie kicks. <laughs> you, you know what? We're getting a little too meta right now. I. <laughs> This is just like we're talking about how like, good previous episodes of our own podcast. Because were. I feel like those those choices were motivated by like, oh, I really want to watch this movie. Not, oh, yeah. I think that we should watch this movie because it's supposed to be good. You know what I mean? I guess. Yeah. Well, I guess to wrap up the discussion, any desire to watch other Marlon Brando movies, such as On the Waterfront. Or the wild one. Eventually, we're going to be getting to uh, the Godfather, and which we've seen. Just we have the, seen the first one we've yeah. seen, not the second one. And there's another movie on the list that has Marlon Brando in it, but I don't know if you know that he's in it, so I don't want to spoil it for you. I don't think so. Right on, cool dude, Marlon. <laughs> so, question mark? Question mark? What? Do you have a desire to watch more Marlon Brando movies? No. <laughs> I mean, argue, like I'm not gonna rule it out, but I'm not gonna be like, oh yeah, this guy's my favorite actor. <laughs> well, no, but arguably he was the best part of this movie, even though his character sucked. I I found Blanche entertaining. She was entertaining, but she wasn't the best part. No, I I think that Stanley was a good foil to her. They had good energy playing off of each other. What? I'm holding myself back from saying aluminum foil. <laughs> You've never heard the term foil before. No, I have. I just once I thought of the once I thought of the thought, I couldn't not think it. I apologize. Well, do you remember the character in Veronica Mars? You're like, gonna have to be more specific. Uh, there is a character in Veronica Mars that is like a TA and he's supposed to be a foil to Veronica. So his oh, last his name, name is foil, foil and his first name is Tim, like tin foil, Tim foil. I'm banging my head against the microphone. <laughs> this is my podcast. I can do what I want. It's your You're podcast crazy. too. If you want to bang your head against the microphone, you can. I upgraded your, uh, <laughs> your microphone that. extender from yeah. the last episode. So do you don't think? do my signature move of, crashing it <laughs> well do you want to tell the audience what it used to be it used to be like a salad bowl turned over and, and what is it now now it's a sugar canister because <laughs> i'm full of sugar that's right all right i think we did it 
Yeah. I we're just running at the mouth. Golf clap to us. Woo. Yeah. Uh, as Carl Powarski would say. <laughs> well, it is. It's it's almost one in the morning at this point. Yeah. We I were, mean, we were, we're going to like midnight. We so. were going to record this earlier, but you had work to do and I had Metal Gear Solid 2 to play. <laughs> so both um, important things. Sure. Yeah. Not, not quite equally as important, important but, uh, yeah. you know. Well, and I got Fight Club to read, so got to get back to that. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for enduring this weird episode of the podcast. Um, next on the list is probably The Thing. Oh, yeah. The original version. Sure. It's at, Well, it's actually called The Thing from Another World. The John Carpenter version is called The Thing. Right. Original is called Thing from Another World. I'm... Excited to talk about it. I mean, we haven't watched it yet, but I'm excited to talk about it if only to talk about how much I love the John Carpenter version. Right. I, I'm I'm generally a fan of John Carpenter. I thought Halloween was pretty good considering the budget mm-hmm. and limitations they had. Um, and I just added They Live to our list, which is also oh, yeah. directed by John Carpenter. I want to say that the Elm Street series is John Carpenter. Is that correct? That's Wes Craven. Yeah, Walrus Craven is another spooky guy. <laughs> anyway, so look out for that episode on The Thing from Another World. Yeah. I'm sure it's probably not going to be as good as the John Carpenter version, but I'm going to go in with tempered expectations that, you know, it's it's going to be its own thing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, some people always say, like, you know, that the original is better. I, this might be one of the few instances where that's not the case, but we'll see. Looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. See you then. All right. Bye. Bye.